This NBA season, Mountain Dew is all about the threes, the shot that is changing the game. Vince, we just had Spencer Dinwiddie on, whose teammate Joe Harris won the three-point contest last year. Killed it. He's considered a shooter-shooter. He's a shooter-shooter. So what's the difference between a shooter-shooter when it comes to a three and just a guy who can shoot it? When you're shooting 50% from the three-point line, I think you're in elite company of shooters. I mean, you can name a list of three-point shooters in the history of the game that shooting like that. I mean, then you have guys who shoot with range as well, and they're still shooting at a high percentage, uh, and they're, they're considered shooter-shooters. We call them hot shooters, and those are guys you don't want to get open looks. Brought to you by Mountain Dew, the official beverage of the NBA. Do the do. Wing It Podcast. Hello and welcome into Winging It, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host, Annie Finberg, as always, joined by Mr. Vince Carter. He's in the house. And we have a very special guest, from the Brooklyn Nets, Mr. Spencer Dinwiddie. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. First, we just need to connect on Boulder. I'm from Boulder. Really? I went to Fairview High She's School. Been that the whole That's time. what I'm saying. Yeah, I have. Like, we've been here for a cool 30 minutes. And you well, just... you guys were like deep conversation. I want to be like, by the way, I'm from Boulder. So we're like family. Yeah, basically. Did you like Boulder? Oh, I loved it. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't have been in the league without it. So, right. you know, shout out to that boy. Shout out to Colorado basketball. Something I thought I'd never say. Kansas is better. But anyway, Spencer's on the podcast. We're very excited. We're glad we got you on. Had to do some finagling with the schedules, but we're here. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. How's it going? It's all good. Got a good win last night. So Did you against who? Yeah, I was there. <laughs> it was a good win. <laughs> was it a good win, Vince? Uh, no, it wasn't. No. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, they played well off of what they've done last year. You could see the confidence. And, you know, when you implement new players. I mean, I, I'm sure you can speak more on this. It's just always the, you know, not sure if the new guys will buy into what they've already established and built and, and you know, just playing against them and obviously watching them, you know, everybody's like, oh, is it going to work? Or, you know, are they going to still be the same team? And, you, you know, you can see it, whoever you put out there on the floor, they play hard, they play together and they, they're, they've bought into what they're trying to accomplish. So, I mean, you could speak on that more. Yeah. I mean, um, to your point, it's, it's all about kind of that that culture, that that grit, playing hard. Um, you know, Kenny obviously has a pretty free flowing system, so people uh, get get a lot of touches um, pretty pretty equally. Um, you know, Kyrie and DJ and and well, Karis has already been here, but you know, those are kind of our three main guys this year. While KD uh, is out, they've done a great job buying in and and leading our group. And then um, with with those two. Well, Kyrie and Karis being injured, G. Temp, Joe Harris, Torian Prince uh, have all done a great job stepping up. Um, and TP had a little something for y'all last night. Right. He did. He did. We knew <laughs> I that. I saw that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I think, I mean, adding some veteran guys makes it easier to, uh, for, for guys to buy in who's been around, who understands, uh, what it takes to win and what based off of the, I mean, riding the coattail of the success of last year, it's, it's like when you walk into a situation like that, you're like, if I buy into this, good things can happen. Exactly. On top of, you know, the stars like that, that you named earlier. I played with G Temp, uh, Garrett Temple, and uh, obviously uh, TP, Torian Prince. So I know what they bring to the table, what kind of guys they are, and they fit perfect with what y'all are trying to accomplish. So um, we got to see it firsthand. <laughs> we sure did. How, how old is your youngest guy that gets significant minutes? Off the top of your head, would you guess? I mean, Jay's only 21. Moose is 20, I believe. But a majority of you guys are older and have some 
some veteran experience. Yeah, we're more like we're more like mid twenties. It's kind of what the squad is. You know, Kyrie's twenty seven, Karis twenty five. Obviously, you guys didn't have Kyrie or Karis yeah. last night, and still handed us a good L. But how's the chemistry been for you guys? Kind of having to fill in for those two guys when when they've gone down. Just a next man up mentality. Um, one thing that Brooklyn has dealt with a lot since I've been here is, you know, injuries or, you know, quote unquote load management and stuff like that. So uh, it's, it's kind of become a part of our identity. We'd obviously much rather have Kyrie. He's one of the best players in the league. And then Karis, uh, and emerging all star, obviously. Uh, but, but we got to kind of band together and get it done. And to your point, guys like Garrett Temple make that really easy. We call him the president. Um, and he's a, he's a, he's a great vet and it speaks to important to guys like him and, and, you know, VC and, and, and just the, the older guys, uh, that, that kind of keep a group together. So I'm sure you get asked about this a lot and we will move on from him after this, but obviously there's yeah. Kyrie's been in the news a lot. Um, a lot of stuff around him, you know, drama or whatever it may be, people making comments about his personality. Yeah. What's that been like for you guys to handle? Not even him, but just hearing about it and having to kind of talk about it to other media. I would say as a team, uh, it actually makes you more sympathetic for him because you, you start to learn about who he is and you start to realize how narratives are spun or whatever because it uh, it's, it's clickbait in a sense or it gets more people watching or, you know, all types of stuff. You know, I've, I've had even things said about me saying, you know, that I don't like Kyrie and stuff like that. And it's like, guys. Uh, you do realize I was his friend before he signed. Like there was kind of a big story in the summer about how we were friends. Now apparently we don't like each other. Ten games to the season is, you know, you, just ridiculous stuff. Kind of tends to happen just because he's a star and um, because he's a polarizing star, right? He's he's not necessarily one that walks the line like a LeBron James or something like that. And and is is a media darling, maybe like Steph. He he kind of does things his own way, and so it gives people, you know, pundits ammo to to attack him so they can get uh, more views and stuff. Isn't it weird that people like just make that up that you don't like him? Like, where does that even come yeah. from? I mean, it comes because we we play the same position, and so it, it's a it's an easy like oh like let's start some stuff. And then when you see two guys in the game going after each other in the game, you yeah. translate that to something else. Right. But that's just Which like just two normal. guys caring. Yeah, exactly. Like that's just emotion. The emotions of the game sometimes. And I mean, because if if that's the case, you can look at every team and you you could pick that same situ- scenario on every team like that. They're not going to get along after this, you know, but that's just like two guys caring. And and I think that kind of gets thrown into the fire, into a situation like that sometime. And, you know, that's where I think these headlines start to, to come to. And then for people who don't watch the game, they just run with it. Yeah. Especially when it's like you said, Kyrie. Yeah. You know, I got the opportunity to interview Kyrie in Cleveland uh, when they were in the finals. And you can see he's in a he's a passionate guy about life itself, his, his game, the, the game of basketball. Like he, he just, you can, you can tell and, and feel the passion when you'd interview him and hear him talk and when in his tweet yeah. or in his post, you can feel that I felt because I just got the opportunity to, I've had the opportunity to kind of sit and listen to him talk and, and, and see how he ticks, you know, and, and sometimes we fault people for speaking up and speaking their mind, but then we also fault people for not speaking right. up, speaking yeah. their mind. So yeah. which one do you want? Which, which one is? So, I mean, he's one of those guys like, Hey, I'm. This is how I feel, and I'm gonna say it. So, you know, you can't kill some, you know, can't kill somebody for that. So, Spencer, how is Brooklyn treating you? You have our guy Torian Prince, who you brought yeah. up. I miss TP. He's the guy. Seems like from what I picked up, humble guy, keeps his head down, really just yeah. commits to the grind of basketball. Have you enjoyed playing with him so far? Oh yeah, he's great. Um, one of the best spot up three point shooters in the league. Um, been a pleasure to play with. Obviously, does all does all the little things, the dirty work. 
Um, like I said, had a little extra juice in the Atlanta game last night, which was good to see um, for people that have been traded or cut before. It, it was nice to see him have a have a big game. For you, um, you know, you were talking about Karis and, and, and playing at an all-star level or, you know, all-star caliber player. I feel like you've, you're now establishing yourself as one of those guys that has an opportunity to be an all-star, even the talks of it, just the way you play. What, what do you feel has happened, translated for you to make you feel comfortable uh, on the court like that? And, and, and you've been playing at like a high level. I've seen uh, uh, and heard you say, you know, you feel like you can score against anybody. Yeah. How, where the, the comfort level? I know it's confidence and feeling comfortable in your game, but yeah. within the floor of the offense, like you feel comfortable that you can do what you need to do. And yeah. why is that? I mean, we saw it last year for sure. Yeah. You and D-Lo just... Taking turns, yeah, like, yeah. just torching people. But like, what do you attest that to? I would say when I was young and, and working out with my uncle and, and stuff like that, played a lot of one on one. So I grew up doing that all the time. So that's kind of a foundational piece of my game is being able to like kind of beat my guy. And then um, just since my time in Brooklyn, Kenny's done a great job of just nurturing kind of just growth in general. You know, uh, I spent two years in Detroit and didn't play at all and then got to Brooklyn and, you know, was ready to play a role and be safe and do this and do that. And, and every year, Kenny's kind of consistently been like, no, do it, do a little bit more. Nice. Like, I see it too. Do a little so bit more. Open, do a little bit more. Open and open, a bunch of things. Yeah, yeah, and open those doors. And, and so I just needed that, needed that kind of opportunity, that that belief from the coach staff because, you know, in, in certain situations, you go in, you get a turnover, something like that, you're out. Right. You know, so, so sometimes you need a guy that's going to be like, Nah, like, don't look over your shoulder. Yeah, don't look over your shoulder. Right. If you get a turnover, as long as you are trying to do the right thing, I'm not tripping. You know, keep going, keep pushing, and uh, just keep going. And so with the injuries, the further opportunity, Kenny promoting that growth. I think for young guys, that's the biggest thing. When you come in, you're afraid to make a mistake. And that's that's understandable because you, know, you want to make the team and you want to yeah. put your best foot forward every time. But when a coach can instill confidence in you, like play basketball. You're going to mess up. There's, there's there's no player who can play a perfect game. They can go 13 for 13, but that doesn't mean they played a perfect game. Exactly. You're going to mess Miss up on the other side. end. So, exactly. Yeah. You're going to mess up. But don't look over your shoulder. I think whenever, whenever you can play a basketball game, and I'm sure you can agree with this, you play basketball and you shoot air ball or, or you make a bad pass, you don't look at the bench. You just go and play. Like, yeah, yeah. but I, I know I can correct that. Exactly. You know, it's happening instead of just looking over and now you work like, what is he thinking? Oh, I'm about to come out. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. That's the one thing that kind of gets to young guys and playing on young teams. That's the one, number one thing you see early in the year is guys tip, you know, hesitant, hesitant on shots or, you know, you're not the go-to guy. So, and coach like, I don't want you shooting that shot. But then <laughs> they tell you, shoot yeah. the shot. So exactly. now you're all over the place. And over the place you yeah. typically look over your shoulder, look over your shoulder. So uh, I, I think that's the uh, ultimate confidence builder when the coaches say, don't look at me, play the game. And then, you know, you see guys grow from there. No, nah, that, that's 1000% right. Um, you know, I came in young off of, off of injury with a team that was borderline playoff my first year and then made the playoffs my second year. So it was a very like, hey, we need to win. We need every single possession. And so, you know, being a young guy and them kind of being like, hey, if you turn it over, like it's over. Right. You're going out there like, I will not turn this ball over. And so if you see a pass or you want to do this or you want to do that, you're like, eh, maybe I'll live to fight another day by just not, you know, trying that and then making a mistake. And so, uh, you know, coming to Brooklyn and, and having that rain to, to mess up or miss shots or, or all that is kind of what. Or just to play your game in general. For sure. You know, it, it sure. Speaking of the playoffs. Oh, those days. What? <laughs> being a rookie? Being young. No, 
many years ago. DC. Yeah, just being able to, just to go play. When was the last time you did that? Toronto game. Second half. With the Hawks? Was, yeah, oh. 25,000. Hey, oh, yeah, hey, everyone's like, it was like, here, take the ball. No, they were like, coach was like, go, go get it, go get it. I was like, oh, I remember these days, boy. Watch out. And I made it feel Everyone it's just, just wanted to it's, it's, it's just a great feeling. Like, you know, you know, now I, I, I try to, uh, you know, make the right play, play for guys, make, get guys opportunities. And, you know, I, I be a ball mover. You know, I don't want to be a ball stopper. Um, you know, my goal is wins more so than points. You know, points will come with success of other guys scoring and yeah. opportunities and situational, uh, opportunities, but, you know, I still in my mind know I can score and get buckets when allowed to, you know, and it just doesn't call for that now. And I'm okay with it. Sometimes it's frustrating because I was like, ooh, 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 but yeah. now let's keep the ball moving. Just because when you're on a young team, you playing individual basketball sometimes with a young team is not the best thing. Right. But, you know, when the ball moves and everybody's touching the ball and, and getting shots and making plays, then, you know. Things open up for everyone. And I mean, like I, I think playing against you guys last night, that was the situation. Yeah. Y'all were featuring different guys and you had the ball, but like, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get in the paint. I'm going to make the right play. And you just see the ball move, move, move to, and, and the ball will find the open man. Yeah. And that's, that's fun basketball. And everyone, everybody buys yeah. into that, that becomes winning basketball. Yeah. And I think to your point, and it's why you're such a great vet, there's kind of a multiplier effect, right? Like if you guys already are young and kind of are stopping the ball, if you go out there as the OG and stop the ball, then everybody's like, oh, I'm for sure stopping the ball yeah, now. Like it, right. there's no way if VC's doing it, I'm for sure not going to pass it. But if you go out there and promote ball movement, then maybe it does make one extra pass. And maybe that makes one more extra pass and maybe it can have a contagious effect. So I think that's one of the, the greatest parts about having OGs still in the game. Like, like you're saying. Right. Yeah. And that's one thing coach LP says all the time about thing about having Vince and he always puts him in, in those last minute plays, because that's when he can think the fastest, I think more than the young guys, right. you know, you, you might not be taking the shot, but you can think fast enough to call timeout or to set up a play or something right. like that. LP always attributes that to you. Yeah. I've had, I got like 1400 games. So 1499, I think. I saw that. Yeah, somebody sent it to me. That's oh, the only reason snap. I know. Not like I know that, but I was that. like, man, um, it's a lot of games. So it's it's you don't get rattled. I mean, I just I've been you know been around, seen a lot. So um, and then that's that's my goal. Even even guys that I you know aren't my teammate, I, I just try to help see the game different. I like to see everybody successful and 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 win and make money. You know, like that's one thing. That's why I said when you said that, like that's I I enjoy hearing that. Uh, hearing guys say that, like, it's a, that's selfless there. It's like, you know, I'm comfortable in my skin that I'm going to do what I got to do, but I want to see somebody else eat and, you know, have a great life and a great career. Like, I, I live for that now. You know, even before then, when I was in the, a star a star role, I still wanted to see my guys and see other people grow. And, you know, every time I see a, a, a rookie and they speak to me, I was like, you know, what you think so far? And I try to give them some advice just yeah. – some food for thought. And sometimes they're like, you're on the other team, like, yeah. but that's, it's, it's bigger than it's that. Like we have a, it's a brotherhood and a fraternity. And it's not yeah. many of us when you look at it, it seems like it cause it's 30 teams or whatever, but it's not that many of right. us here. So, yeah. you know, we got to protect each other. Yeah. And everyone knows Vince. Well, come on. Oh, on. Half, man, half amazing. Right. <laughs> what is your, um, I want to know your first Vince Carter memory, but also your favorite Vince Carter memory. I think the most killer Vince Carter memory for me, is the fact that y'all actually had a legit out of bounds play where they just said like, "Hey, just like ping it off the backboard <laughs> and he'll just go get it." They'll carry through that. To me, that's yeah. like that's the most killer thing you could you could possibly have. You know what I mean? Like everybody remembers like three sixty windmills mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. like all that stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like like we remember that. 
But from a basketball player standpoint, like in the NBA, like that's insane to me. Like that is actually insane. I've had to that me. play type of play run for me twice. Once that, with that's the jersey. My point. That's my point. Like this is not like a one off. Right. This is like yeah. no, like just 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 throw it up there somewhere. It's just and it's so crazy. The idea behind it. We were playing the Lakers the first time, and that's that's that. And I missed that dunk, and it still bothers me because. Dale Curry was was the passer. Why do I remember this? I don't know, but you know, he me. remembers <laughs> everything. But Dale was the one that passed it. So what day I, of the week was this? <laughs> but the idea is just throw it off the. You know, well, he's he was on the left side, up at the um, twenty eight foot line. Yeah, and the idea was center of the backboard or the right side of the backboard. Yeah, just so because of how it's going to bounce yeah, off. Ricochet, yeah. So we run the play a loop around and just wanted to get the guy behind me. Don't throw it in the air. Just get off the backboard and you save time because the clock didn't start to touch the ball. Gotcha. But it's in play off the backboard. So it was just, it was genius. We never practiced it. Never. That was a play drawn up that night. Never practiced. And we were just trying to figure it out. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, if he throws, I'm just hoping he doesn't throw it too hard. So I was trying to time it. And so that's why I was so late. Because of the timing. I didn't you know know yeah. how the ball was gonna come off. Yeah. But yet I got Kobe on my back yeah. trying to so he's he sees it hit the backboard. He's like, Oh, I'm going to get he was like, wait a minute. So when I caught it, I just couldn't I didn't have a if I, it was further up in my hand, yeah. I could yeah, I, I had probably it. had a chance. But it got so far down my hand, I just could not couldn't get grip it. Yeah. And then J Kid, J Kid always thought about that. So in, in games, he was like, when you run it, when he's coming down to pick and roll or where you stop and you know, a guy's front you in the post, like a, like a white or a front, he's just going to throw it off the backboard. He's like, That's what are they going to do now? That's what are they do Because he knew it. So he would just come down and a guy, or, or if I'm posting up, he'd just say, stay there. He's like, don't fight him. Stay there. I'm going to throw it off the backboard. <laughs> you, you don't have a chance. If, if, if the backboard's here, yeah, you're nah, trying to front there's, me. There's no chance. What you going to do? Nobody in history is out jumping. You can't, you can't do that. So yeah. it was like, I was like, ah, so it was just all the time, just off the backboard. It was just the best this. play. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's amazing to me. Like, as a best player, that's amazing to me. It's like, it, it doesn't even sound real. Like, if it was any realm of normal, somebody would be doing it right and, now. And it could be done. I just don't think people think that. J-Kid thought that. I just, no, there's a few people in this OG. league. There's Stop a few it. people Stop in it. this league. There, there's a difference between, like, just, like, the bounce, but then the coordination, the timing, like, all yeah, of it I mean, wrapped all, into one. Like, yeah. There's a, there's a few people I, I, I believe that could you could do that to. Who else? It's easy when I mean, you're the best that. dunker of all time <laughs> sitting so like, yeah, you know, I mean, right. maybe maybe Zion could do it. Yeah, like, there's but, a few guys. Like, like, you just... I mean, there's a, like, a lot of our bigs. I think DJ. The way he jumps at this, even at this stage, like you, any, anybody who's behind him, you're not, you're not going to outjump him. You know what? You're going to jump over him. He jumps too high. But, but it's, there's still a different vibe. I mean, it's time. I get it. Doing I get it. Seven no. foot with timing and all that stuff. Like, I get it. Okay. Maybe DJ's a better lob catcher than you. Right. But we're talking about like dunking. I don't know. Let me stop. Six, <laughs> DJ go talk his jump. Like no, a I, I six, six, right. six, seven guard right. dunking, doing these things. Running with a play like that. I yeah, you, I like, you, I like with DJ, like one of the best lob catchers. That's supposed to happen. Yeah, that's supposed to happen. Seven foot with world-class athleticism. Like, obviously it's like, okay, you put in the air. We saw what he, you know, did to Brandon Knight. You know, but you know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's just a, it's a different, it's a different thing. Yeah, I feel you. Do you remember the first game you played against Vince? Nah, because it, it may have been one of the games where I only played like three minutes. So remember, the first two years are, are 
I kind of locked those away. Yeah, I put, yeah, I put those, put those somewhere in a in a chest deep in my mind somewhere. But it was the building block to who you are now, for sure. When you came, the first time you came to Brooklyn, when you were out there. Yeah, I mean, you remember that part for sure. Like Toronto, better have something crazy. Well, I mean, I know we gonna have something for you. Aaron's gonna make sure of that, right? I wouldn't be surprised if you were like, you know what, I'm gonna do one more year. No, I can't do that now. Why? Because you've committed committed to it. It It just, it's just weird. Psych. I'm coming back, guys. I can't do that. You, you can do whatever you <laughs> I mean, want. Maybe you really in a year. Could. Yeah. You really could. I mean, how'd the body feel? I feel pretty good, actually. I mean, you, you still, some, you still win, Billy. I know. So like, some mornings are rough, but that just comes with it for yeah. everyone. It's life. It's not as easy as it used to be. Like, it used to be. I'd be scared if it was. Point. <laughs> That's a good point. Good point. Because yeah. it used to be like, huh. Now it's like, ah. <laughs> Get the windmill right. Yeah, I, everything I, else. It's like I said, it's not going it. up. It's coming down sometimes. Now it's actually both. It is going up and coming down. You laughing. I'm serious. <laughs> like at first it used to be like, ah, going up is not the problem. It's just coming down. Because now the game's so fast. You yeah. know, when the ball goes in, they're getting up the court. Yeah. Back in the day, you can dunk hole on the rim, yeah. take your time. Cruise then they take back. it out. Yeah. Nah, it's not like that anymore. So that, that cuts a lot of that out. But going up now sometimes is like... Is it really worth it? <laughs> you need to do it at it's least once. It's a special moment. I, I at know. least once before the season ends. I know. got to get you a break. There was a, couple, there was a couple of times. There was a, the last game uh, and Houston had a chance. Yep. I was so excited. I couldn't hold the ball. I, could not, I couldn't pick the ball up in time to go. Yeah. And they found me and I missed the first free throw because I'm still <laughs> mad about not getting the ball. Houston game. I remember that one. There was, was another like, time going. recently I thought you were going to dunk. Houston. Was there one before that, though? I was like, oh, he's about to he's do uh, Oh, yeah. Because uh, Bembry. Uh, yeah. I can't remember the game. They, they run together. That's when you get old, bro. <laughs> the Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice. In the car, at home, and everywhere you take your phone. Hey, Google. How many three-point shots has Vince Carter hit in his career? Here's what I've got for Vince Carter, an all-time total of 2,247 three-pointers. A little help. Hands-free, just say, hey, Google, to get started. Last year, he uh, was going to dunk on Carl Anthony Towns. He pushed me. And he did some kind of like a Statue of Liberty type thing and just oh, laid it in. But so I really thought you were about to hmm? dunk on him. That yeah, was, that was like literally when he pushed me. Yeah, yeah, so I'm at the point in my career, so I might as well talk about this now. Everybody, because they talked about this in the locker room yesterday, about, oh, you should have dunked that one or whatever. So I'm at the point, you're going to touch me in my hips or anywhere while I'm in the air, it's not happening. I'm thinking about my landing. Yeah. Safety first. Safety I didn't care about safety my time, like 10 years ago, five yeah. years. Uh, Jumping over seven footers seems like a health hazard. Absolutely. Right. But I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know I did that. But I'm just saying. Like, that wasn't my goal. I, I my hear my that. goal was attack the rim. I hear that, but you my said my goal was to dunk on him. Yeah, but you saw a seven footer, let's yeah. say two seventy, and you went, eh, let's try it. Let's let's yeah, <laughs> let's go for the rim. Yeah. Like I'm going, I'm looking at because <laughs> yeah, I just that's what it was. Now I'm like eh, pull up, <laughs> you know, so or whatever. But that was the thing. Once I got the ball, I was like, let me go attack the rim before everybody got back. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm playing Olympic team. I'm playing with great players. Vin Baker to this day um, was he, he came with me. He was like, I still think you should have th- should have thrown him in the lob. Huh? One of the greatest highlights of all time. But he, here's he the thing about it. I, somewhat, it was like funny. 
But here's the thing. I don't remember him <laughs> down there because I was looking at the rim and, and Buddy. But you weren't a point guard. Buddy. So, like, just but don't even worry there, about that. Yeah, you're right. But remember, they threw the ball. Everybody's running in transition. So he's behind me. So I guess he's like, I, I stop, throw it up there. No, nah, but that's what I'm saying. You were a PG. Your job was not to be like, where is everybody at? It was like, that's what I'm saying. I was, was getting to the money. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like, jumping now, I'm just like. Um, what hurts when you land? Is it your knees? My body. Everything. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just different. It's different. I mean, I could do it. Like I say, I do it sometimes in practice. It's like, oh, okay. I, sometimes you just got to make sure it still works. Right. Still there. Still there. Yeah. And then. While doing that, you're like, yeah, that's why we're waiting. That's why we say, but at some point, I'm going to do it. Can you I'm believe that he's now doing this for 22 seasons? No, How old you, first of all? 26. Stop it. Yeah, I remember, like, I, I'm from L.A., born in 93. Basically grew up with Kobe's career. So, Laker fan, Kobe fan, whole nine. So, you remember those days where when they're like, who's the best wing in the league? It's like, Kobe. VC, T Mac. It's like yeah. that's the class. It's like so to be able to sit here and, and talk and chop it up and stuff like this is, this is my childhood. It's it's fun for me. That's why you know when y'all asked me to be on a podcast, I was like, yeah, of course. If we win, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so if you had lost, you would have canceled. Nah, yeah, nah, I mess around, mess around, mess around. Welcome to the league. So Spencer, we have a segment on the show called Welcome to the League, where our guest tells us the moment that they really realized that they had made it, whether it was negative or positive or both getting dunked on. We love, you know, missing your first shot. Kind of thing. Baze has uh, a classic one. Yeah, uh, Scott Block. Dunked on. oh, uh, well, I thought he got dunked on by Ray Allen. Oh, he was trying to get the chase down block. The chase down and, block yeah, and, and he got dunked back. On. And when he turned around, Ray Allen was already in spread eagle. My first shot in the in the league was a right right corner three off good ball movement. It was and I was butt naked. I don't even think they closed out on me. I think they were just like, ah, oh, rookie. And just let me shoot it. And so when I shot it, I remember just praying that it went in. Like I was so nervous. Like just like I like I said, I came off like ACL the whole nine. Like this is the first game. I hadn't played in eight months. I'm like, come on. And literally the first shot and I made it. So I was I was happy. But then like the team kind of had that reaction too. And I was kinda like, damn guys, I didn't think I was gonna make it. <laughs> I was like, what about your welcome to the league moment? Like as far as like when did you say, I'm actually here? I mean, I know your first game, you're in the locker room when you walk in, you see your jersey with your name on it for the first yeah. time. But when did you actually feel like, bro, I'm here now? Like I would I would say this is this is actually Pretty interesting because I would say make like when I was in training camp and going through practice and playing against Brandon Jennings, nothing specifically had happened, but it was the fact that he was the number one player in high school in 07 in L.A. And he was like the guy, you know, he was he was the guy like and, and obviously he went to Oak Hill and did all that stuff. But, but he was like the man, you know, what I mean, number one player from L.A., you know, Compton, all that stuff. And so I was class 2011. So missed him pretty much in, in high school, never really played against him. So it was kind of like, oh, wow, like, like we're here. You know, like me and you, like I'm five years journey for whatever it is. And I'm like, like you know, you know, it's, it's I, I guess it's just different. Because in your mind, you he, you knew he was destined for the NBA. Yeah, in my mind, he was destined for the NBA. He was so now you're playing against, and right, now right, I'm right, playing right. against him. And, and so that was kind of a, a weird, a weird moment because it was one of the guys that, you know, 
I mean, we played totally different. So it wasn't like I looked up to him from a game perspective, but just, you know, he was part of that class, like Drew Holiday and DeMar and like these great LA basketball players that I never played against in high school because they were older than me, seniors or in college by the time I was a freshman. But like now I was here and with those same guys that, you know, from back home, they're the legends and I was 150th best player in my class and whatnot. And so, you know, it was a tough role for me to get here. They were destined to be here. And I was like, not like we're all here together. So I, I think that was probably the mentally like or psychologically, I guess, was was kind of my welcome to NBA moment. It's something like that for me. It's just watching, you know, I don't even think I talked about it before, but it just hit me now when you said that. It's like you, you watch these NBA players, you know, for me, watching Pippen, mm-hmm. Smitty, um, MJ, Barkley, Drexler, uh, Lajuan, you know, I'm thinking of guys that were around, Stockton Malone. Like I was playing against them as a rookie, I played against Stockton Malone. Like I played against <laughs> Barkley in, in his last year. I played against MJ Pippen. So many goats. Like, yeah, Clyde Drexler. I, I caught, I played against these guys, yeah. you know, I, I miss magic and, and all those. I'm not that old, but close. Uh, <laughs> close. I just, I mean, not by many years, but I got the chance to play against some real legends. And, and I mean, I played against Dennis Rodman for, you know, what people knew about him. I, I, I got the opportunity to see that live, see Phil Jackson work yeah. on the sideline, Pat Riley. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Jeff Van Gundy's teams. I played against LJ. Like, I mean, you think of some of the historians, John Starks, like, you know, I just missed the dunk on that, but I played against that squad, like yeah. that same team. Scotty Pippen was one of my guys. I mean, obviously Dr. J is, is number one for me, but I remember playing against Scotty Pippen the first time and just seeing how, we're playing the same position and he was like 35 pounds heavier than me <laughs> and he had all the tricks and I just couldn't get open. That's when you can yeah grab a hold, the, the, the whole nine. Like it was, like it was all that and just kind of figuring him out. And he's like, yeah, he's a young fella. I got you in jail right now. <laughs> I said, what? And I'm over here arguing with the ref. I'm like, ref, you don't see this man grabbing me? He's like, nah, man, you in jail right now. Oh. Like just, oh, like, yeah, you can't, yeah. you, you, you're not getting out of this. Oh, like yeah. I'm trying to go off a pen down but he has my wrist locked. Well, I can't go anywhere. And that was legal. And it was just like, wow, I'm playing against this man, a man who has six rings <laughs> and played with the best. And then the same thing, obviously getting the opportunity to play against MJ. It was crazy. Cause I mean, I was, it was built up Carolina, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And just seeing MJ at 40, whatever doing his thing. Still like that. Yeah. Oh man. So I, yeah, I mean, Unreal. I, uh, I got a chance to play Kobe one time. Mm. Cause the other other times he was either hurt my he was hurt my first year, and then my second year obviously I didn't play much. So the first game we missed him in Detroit, but I played him in L.A. and probably kind of like your MJ forty story. Like he was doing his signature post up, and in my head, this is this is the only time in basketball where like not just like personal nervousness or anything like that, right? You all have kind of those weird little moments. This was like a movie, so he's he's posting <laughs> up, and I'm like. Oh shit. I know what's coming. I know it's coming. So he's posting up. He takes like two dribbles. Hits me again. He does the semi. I swear I jump so high in the air to block this shot. And then he passed it. And it was just like, oh. Uh, it was it was just such a not a letdown. I mean, I don't know, because he he could have he could have just got the foul. 
I don't know what he right. was thinking at the time because right, 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 right. like he hit the he hit the shimmy boom turn to the fade like he was gonna do it and I jumped so high in the air because in my head it was like slow motion movie I was like I've watched this a million times since I was a kid I was like here it goes two dribbles shimmy turn right shoulder I'm in there I'm like Cole I'm a, I'm, I'm on that I'm on it I'm like look you old now I'm on it <laughs> and he passed it and I was like damn I want to see how this ended yeah I did. I wanted to either block it or get Jade. Pause, I guess. But mm. <laughs> I'm saying, right. I got you. Like, yeah, I wanted, I wanted there to be like an ending, but he passed it, and it, that still to this day hurts my soul. He hit me with a fake like that. His last game, I jumped. It's a, it's a picture of it. I'm literally in the air like this, and he's still down on the pump fake. <laughs> I was like, bro, you're not doing this. And it, I was in Memphis. That was it was pretty cool. Pretty cool moment. Uh, so my last question for you, Spencer, and then we'll go ahead and close so we can let you go. You are very passionate about tokenization is that the proper term uh, first of all tokenization i'm not i'm not big on you know bitcoin and stuff and you're kind of shaking up that world right now especially in sports just yeah. tell us i know you have to go so just tell us a little bit about that and kind of how it became a passion of yours oh uh, she put you on the spot yeah she did she did like I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to figure out how i want to go to this uh let's put blockchain aside for one second and then I'll explain kind of my rationale behind it. And it's not necessarily novel or completely new. It's just that the technology allows us to do it more effectively. But if you look at basketball or, or any major entertainment industry, you know, the, the fan is the consumer. Obviously, they're paying their money to consume the product. Uh, the NBA or the uh, centralized body is the broker. And a lot of times I think fans act as if the NBA is the asset, but it's not. It's the broker. It, it makes the uh, interaction between the consumer and the asset more effective, more seamless. Right. They bring us all together. But the people that actually bring the value are us as players. We're the asset. Right. Like if you put the Atlanta Hawks logo in the middle of the street right here, people might drive by and may say like, oh, that's that's interesting. But if you said, hey, anybody that comes to the middle of the street, outside here can play one-on-one -on -one with Vince Carter. How many thousands of people are lining up, right? Because he's the asset. He's the person that's bringing this value. And so any asset has an asset class. And so, you know, what I was talking about is just like anything else, commodities, et cetera, there, there's real value in that. And being able to interact with fans and being able to, you know, track these things and, and go on this journey with these people, whether it be futures or bonds or or more stock-related type of uh, products, you can do anything. And and if you look at the NBA right now, right, they just signed a deal with MGM for gambling. You know, they're, they're in talks with DraftKings, I believe, you know, trying to create real fancy sports and stuff like that. You're The only way to do that is to tap into the true value of, you know, the asset, you're not going to keep being able to offer these products with theoretical value, you know, until you really tap into the actual value. And then looking at the the world economies, you, you've got certain countries going through hyperinflation and things like that. This would be a recession resistant asset. You know, right now, the United States is pretty much going through quantitative easing. Yeah, what did you study? I, I just I just listen to things and, and read. And it stuff. sounds like you're speaking a different language to me right now. Nah, I hear that you. Colorado versus Kansas education got you. Hey, yeah, <laughs> see you both. See but nah, I mean everybody else is learning something, so teach them. Right. Continue. Nah, so like you know we're we're going through quantitative easing right now. Um, stock buybacks, uh, like I think it's seven hundred billion or something like that. And in stock buybacks, like we're we're right on the the brink of you know an, a recession. Some people think it's going to be you know, as much as three times larger than the 08 
recession. Like it, it could be bad right now as athletes, because our income and things are are backed by, obviously if the dollar collapses, then we're all fucked, but our, our income is not, you know, correlated to the stock market. It's not correlated to, you know, uh, the buying of an iPhone, right? You know, entertainment is used as a distraction, which is why typically speaking, people still show up to the games, even if we're in hard times, right? So you could open up this asset class and give a safe haven to investors, depending upon the type of products we offer. If it's a bond, obviously it's, it's currently a little bit safer than, you know, government bonds since the, you know, but, uh, the bond yield curve just inverted. Like a, a Vince Carter bond is not going bad. A one-year Vince Carter bond is not going bad. A three-year Spencer Dinwiddie bond is not going bad. You know, and, and so you start to look at all these things. Just like I said, the state of global finance, where we are as an untapped asset class, and then the blockchain technology in general. It's just a means for transparency and liquidity. At the end of the day, you know, if you take out Bitcoin, you kind of look at just like I said, the the underlying technology because Bitcoin itself is probably better designed to be a store of value in reserve currency. That's a whole nother conversation because who knows if that'll succeed or fail. Um, I hope it does because that made me money, but (laughs) you know, but, but blockchain, like I said, it's, it's the, the principles in terms of like smart contracts and things like that, um, are transparency and liquidity. You you can't really lie to the, to the blockchain. You'd have to 51% attack it and, and overturn it. But it take money and time and all that stuff. It's stuff not, I don't want to do. Stuff people generally don't want to do, right? So you can't lie to it. Like you could send money to Vince or Aaron or whatever. And, you know, we don't, we may not know your wallet address. So we wouldn't know it's you sending the money, but we would know that transaction A went to transaction B, right? And it would just, it's recorded in the ledger, right? And then because you can't lie to it, now it opens up this liquidity, right? You look at this hotel. If I tokenize the hotel and I make 100, you know, shares essentially or tokens of this hotel. And because you can't lie to it, you know that there's no other tokens made. So if you own one token, then you own 1% of the hotel. It's pretty much that simple. And so that's kind of the two main pieces of blockchain that I was looking to capitalize on in creating the asset class. So it's a, it's, it's more a marriage and, and bringing that idea to the league was just all about making money. I mean, they're looking at shortening the season, adding a midseason tournament, doing all these things to try to increase fan engagement because the TV deal is down. But like, instead of trying to go back to the old players that the TV deal, cause it's not, it's not going to get better. Like, it's only going to get worse with the way that we consume media. It's about highlights and Instagram and 15 second clips and who hit three threes. It's not about like watching the entire game, right? So you have to incentivize these people to be bought in. So you either have to incentivize them to watch a complete game, which is difficult because how do you track that? Right? Like you'd have to, I guess, leave the TV on or leave the phone on or whatever, but then that's still not necessarily true engagement. Maybe they're just leaving it on. So they get a extra $5 or something. But if you really tied these people to the players in a real sense, as much as many people as play DraftKings and FanDuel and all that stuff. If you actually had like real investment, or let's say I thought Kevin Herter, for example, was going to be a max guy and I bought into futures on what he's going to do. And, you know, it was only projected he was going to make 10 million a year, but he plays to that max, max level and I make money and we all sharing this together. You create this fandom in this like, like, cult fandom almost because you tie people together and you're you're decreasing the barriers and anytime you do something like that like the sky's the limit and you increase your longevity you know what i mean because everybody succeeds together instead of like trying to wall it off and, and keep complete control and so i think the nba is a little short-sighted in that manner but that's kind of a that's like a short version right. sorry no that's good that's, that's dope though i mean it's just 
create an opportunity for everyone and, you know, giving people a chance. Like I said, the, the engagement is important. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody wants to, they always want to have a inside look on what we do exactly. all the times, but you know, then you have people say, oh, you know, I don't watch the regular season. I wait till the playoffs and all that stuff. But like you said, if you're invested in it, now you have more eyes watching right. more games. And there's like a, there's a gaming like feel to it, right? Yeah. Like people are investing, like they want to the watch, they want to be a part of it. Exactly. Sounds, you gamify the process, good. get everybody involved. And then, you know, there's, there's always fun things you can do, whether it be like little extra incentives for games played because you got the low management issue or you got, you know, in my case, it would have been quote unquote, like seeing what happens with the player option and, you know, stuff like that. You, you just, every player is going to be different and individual. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like for, for VC, it could very well just be like, Hey, it's a one year VC bond and these tokens represent the last year of his career. So there's a collectible like item attached to it. And then you're tied to the last year, you know, and you make a little bit of money, but you have your collectible. And so it's part of that kind of cherishing of, you know, a story career. Whereas mine, you may, you're saying like, what is he going to do with his player option? Or, you know, like I said, with Kevin Hurd, it could be like, we're going to see if he's going to be a max guy. There's all these different ways to do it. It keeps you locked in. And it keeps you locked in. It keeps you wanting to watch. All right, well, we have to go ahead and close because you have somewhere to be. <laughs> but thank you so much, Spencer, for coming on, for your time, for waking up early to be here with us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That was dope. And that is another edition of the Winging It podcast with Vince Carter. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to give us five stars. Five stars. Should we get five yes, stars? Sir. Yeah, five. we got to. And that's that a wrap. Good. We'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.